another episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. I am your host, Travis Locke, and today I'm joined by Ola and Travis Tyler, but we also have a special featured guest today who is Dan Hill. Dan, go ahead and give yourself an introduction. Hey guys, uh, this is Dan Hill here. Um, you can find me on Twitter at idanno 5 I'm a senior writer for a very good Chelsea page, uh, the Chelsea Social, so you can find me there on Twitter, and just thank you to everybody for having me on. Really excited to chat about the game yeah thanks daniel uh we're also really happy to have you on too um you know i know you were one of the first ones to reach out to us about coming on so really appreciate the support and you know active listening that you've had and we're glad to have you here and you know as uh as one of the you being an editor and me being a writer of the with chelsea social it's nice to finally get together and talk um as teammates as well outside of you know just twitter talk so good to have you on oh yeah you're welcome you're welcome love to have people on the show so unfortunately, you know, the, this kicks off with our match today against Southampton away in the St. Mary's. Uh, we, we came in with a great run of form. If you look at Premier League, we have one win, four draws. If you look at all competitions, five consecutive wins. But uh, all good things come to an end, and that winning run did come to an end today as it's, we suffered a, I don't want to say bad result because it's still a point gained. It's still an unbeaten, you know, match, no loss. But you know, it's always better to pick up all three points. That's an, that's obvious. But I would say that uh, the manner in which we played was a little disappointing. It just seemed slightly sterile and toothless uh, at times. And it just seems like we lacked the ability to really play that final ball or to have somebody in the box to convert those chances. Or simply, I, I saw a lot of times when we we're trying these crosses and cutbacks, they're either going to nobody or they're going to somebody who's scuffing the shot like Reese had on that, that really good chance from Mason Mount. Um, and although it ended one, one Southampton really didn't have any attack really in that match. They barely had the ball and their only shot in the entire first half was their goal by Minamino. So it is what it is. It's a, it's a, it's two points dropped one point gained. Um, we're still right in the thick of things for the top four, but for me, I think the lack of, movement off the ball was a big issue today and we didn't really see somebody that was effective at really controlling the build-up pace and the tempo of that so i don't know if you guys saw anything else what were some of the you know biggest reasons for why we weren't able to pick up three points today in your opinions i think one of the biggest things for me was uh i think Southampton changed the, their system today and they i think they went to a back three to try and match us up and uh i found particularly when uh because a lot of our joy against Newcastle was when Timo was able to isolate a defender one-on-one and uh, sort of go to the byline, cut it back and cause problems. And I found that whenever he got the ball in particular, he was faced with uh, as many as two or three Southampton players. And uh, there was just a, a clear lack of uh, sort of attacking impetus and uh, incisiveness. And uh, I found our, our passing our passing sort of regressed to very sideways and backwards, and uh, it was no real speed when it came to our attack. So uh, for me, that, that we lacked a lot of ideas going forward. I think that uh, that really didn't help us today. Our formation has already faced one one high pressing team, and we didn't do well. 
So I really didn't expect us to come up with magic in this game. We saw we saw what happened against Bansley. We were not we were not very good. Our attackers could barely get the hold of the ball. It happened again in this game, but we we played better in the second half. This is Tuchel's second test against a team that actually decides to press us and get at us. And I wouldn't say we've come out proud of ourselves, should I say. So I think it's just us coming against a team that actually decided to press us as much as we like to press others. And we did not, especially our attackers, we handled the press fine in our defense and midfield, but our attackers couldn't get a hold of the ball in the final third. Like Dan mentioned, whenever we had the ball, there were two, three players on them and they could afford to because their press would be would be more serious in their own in their own third of the pitch. So we struggled to create any chances really. And I wouldn't read too much into the game. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I think the first half we actually looked really well despite the mistake. I mean, the the mistake is, I mean, that's just what decides games is you make something simple go wrong and you get scored on. That shouldn't be new to any of us. But the main issue we have is just the same issue we always seem to have the last few years is we just aren't clinical. We get towards the final third and we do that really well right now anyway. And I mean, we set up a cutback and then we don't make the pass to the striker or we just in general miss that final pass. We're almost trying to walk it into the net and it's not boring, but it's getting increasingly hard to watch when it looks like we don't have any ideas of what to do once we get to the final third. And that's really what's holding us back the most. It's improved a little bit over the last few weeks with Thomas Tuchel. I mean, we're still at the point now where since he's joined, we're really living off of penalties. We're living off defenders scoring and our attackers are just struggling. And that doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon. And, I don't know if today's a good point or not, because if you look at the run of games we've got, this is supposed to be the easiest one. And I know Southampton's not an easy team, even with their current run of form, but that wasn't a game we should be dropping right now because it's only going to get harder now. That's a good point that you bring up, Travis, that there is this continual issue of really just not enough attacking presence from the people who are supposed to provide the attacking presence. And as you mentioned, right, we're living off of a lot of penalties and we're living off of a lot of goals scored by defenders right now. I can't help but notice that we have, we have been making some really poor decisions in the final third. It's really, really bad. I mean, we've had, per game, we've had more touches in the opposition box than we did under Lampard. And that's under six games. And yet, we're scoring less, we're creating less chances. We are, we are really making poor decisions in the final third. And for me, it's, it's as simple as laying it off to someone if you can't shoot the ball. I, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand what it is. But we, we, we've been making really, really bad decisions in the final third. And part of that is that, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And the thing is about that, it, you bring up a good, another good point. We don't have anybody creating that final third pass. And... I, I think that many could argue that we really haven't had that profile for years. And it, I don't know if you guys saw this after the match, but Liam Twomey tweeted out uh, and his part of his quote said that Chelsea's decision-making and execution in the final third has been an issue now for several different coaches in several different systems. What, do you, guys, what do you guys make of that? Yeah, I definitely I, agree with that. I agree with that. 
when we when we when we look back to Antonio Conte, Antonio Conte's death, I did a research some some months ago anyway, and I realized that under Conte, we won the league creating 0.9 big chances per game. That's quite low for a league winning team. And it hasn't really improved drastically since then. Well, that one that was quite low, so it has improved. But even under when, when we had William, William was our best creator. It was our best chance of creating. And we all know William is not that that big a creator. So that really shows the problem we are in. And I mean Ziet yeah. was supposed to was supposed to solve that, but he hasn't really been he has been off the pace lately and he's he's in bad form. And those who are in good form are making bad decisions in the final third and just don't have the ability to deliver a final pass. We're, we're really in a jam. Yeah, if I may jump in here, I don't, I don't want to oversimplify this argument too much, but uh, I find that, what, like, just building off of what Olo said, I think a lot of our attacking, uh, sort of the difference that was made um, under Conte and perhaps Sorry in his single season was in uh, Eden Hazard's flair, his, his, his flair and his capacity to change a game all by himself. I mean, a lot of the time, our attacking play was built around his individual brilliance and his ability to draw markers and create space. And I find that we don't have that dynamic uh, presence in the attacking third that's able to draw markers and create space and dribble like Hazard did. And I, as I say, I don't want to create sort of a, a reductionist argument where uh, I'm basing our entire attack off of the absence of one player because it's not down to that. But it just seems there's a fundamental lack of incision in our in our in our attacking play and you guys have said it, it's it can't be significant that it's happened under three different coaches now yeah what's concerning to me is we've done it with just different styles of attack you can attack with circuits where you rehearse the circuit you know what you need to do on every path and then you can attack with just more freely and we've seen coaches that do both of those things and, you know, like Dan said, with Eden Hazard, we were able to do circus and have a very free player who could still do his own thing and change the game. And I think Sorry, especially, was able to work with that. But, I mean, now we have Thomas Tuchel in and we're kind of back to circus, but we don't really have that dynamic player that can just make his own decision when he has to and change the game. I mean, yeah, maybe that should be Pulisic or maybe that could be Hudson Odoi, but obviously today Hudson Odoi came on and it didn't work out. So I don't know which way to go with this. I don't know if we need a very structured attack like we've been doing because that's not really working yet or if we need something more free, but we don't really have any players that can make those kind of game-changing decisions on their own without a system to build it on. Under under Conte, most of most of our chance creation was we're just clinical. I mean, we remember Diego Costa, um Fabregas, we had Pedro, we had players who didn't really need to get one-on-one to score. They didn't really need as much space as we do now. We had Edinaza is a is a great point. I mean, close to 45, 50% of our goals or Goal contribution came from Hazard under Sari, so that can't be ignored. But really, we we just have a lot of players who are good at getting into the attacking third, but just can't make the right decisions. I don't think it's an accident that we don't have one 
player who stands out in an attacking sense. We've got a lot of players who've scored five goals, six goals, four goals, three goals. You know, this, like the goals, that can be both a blessing and a curse. But from an attacking mm-hmm. sense, you can see there's no, you can't sort of pin your hopes and say, okay, well, it's clearly Tammy's going get to us, get us a goal today. Or, okay, Timo's going to get us a goal today. You know, there's, there's no clear one person or two or three people you, or players you can pin your hopes on to say, okay, well, they're going to get us a goal today. You made a great point with Eden Hazard, but Eden Hazard was a playmaker, but in a very different way where he was sort of, you know, he would be a playmaker where he just takes people on and wins. You know, it wasn't like a Cesc Fabregas kind of, you know, playmaker by yeah. actually picking Absolutely. out long passes or, you know, breaking the lines or through balls, whatever it may be. But, you know, I would actually say that a lot of these cracks of these issues in the attack were probably there even while Hazard was here in his final season. For me, like even with Hazard and Sari, if we, if, if Hazard wasn't on his game, it really didn't seem like we were going to create many opportunities because we had Willian, who was kind of a, I mean, I don't really call Willian a playmaker, if I'm honest, when you look at his attacking output over seven years at Chelsea. He's not. He's not. It's exactly. I don't really consider him a playmaker. There's nobody in our midfield that's really a playmaker. And we half-heartedly tried to replace Hazard's output, but we're never going to do that because he's a generational player as far as Chelsea is concerned. This is what I have to ask. Do you guys think that there's always the, the question of do we need a better playmaker? But sometimes you can create chances without the ball. You can move off the ball better and, and better anticipate and read the game and better use your position, movement, and direction to guide you in the right place, right? To anticipate when a ball is going to be there. It, it seems to me that there's a lot of times where we get down near the wing and we're looking for the cross or the cutback, but everybody's just flat-footed. There's, it's just so static. I don't know if you guys see the same thing, but to me, it just feels like the, the, the midfield, and in this case, it's under the Tuchel system, it's much more the attacking inverted forwards or attacking mids that are in behind that striker, as well as the wingbacks. But it still just feels like there's too much staticness with the play to me. I don't know if anybody else feels that way or if I'm alone here. Yeah, I think what I'd like to say from a from a just if we move if I can move the focus onto today's game is something that I noticed in the first half. Before this was a bit ironic, given that Southampton sliced us open to to score that uh, great uh, Minamino goal. But what I have liked under Tuchel is the fact that we seem to be structurally better. Uh, certainly on defense, and we're not as vulnerable in tra- in transition as we were under Lampard. And there's certain, there, to me, there have been fundamental improvement from from that standpoint. We have we have a platform from which to to operate, and we look less prone to being opened up than we were at times. And that's not a criticism under Frank. He was fundamentally a more attacking manager, and there are certain uh, risks associated with that. But Tuchel seems to want to have this happy medium. But what I feel has come at the, or has come as a cost of that is uh, our attacking impetus, you know, in that we seem to seriously lack imagination in the final third. And we haven't scored more than two goals in one game since he's come in. And that's probably a bit harsh given such a small sample size. But um, just to go off that point, if we're in a 3 4 3, we have the same amount of attackers, but at least two of those are now going to be wingbacks. So they're not completely attackers like they used to be under the 4-3-3. And then you have three midfielders that could all come and support at different times. But now we only have 
too, and they're not really going to roam very far because if they roam very far, then we only have one midfielder left in the midfield and we're wide open. So it is very much a trade-off. It solved the defensive issues, but is that really where our issue lies right now? That's a difficult question to ask. Uh, for me, there were moments where, particularly because we had Musa Ginevra playing at right wing back for Southampton, he's a natural winger. And uh, he's a, he was, I thought he was brilliant today, particularly with his dribbling. But there were times in the first half where he was hopelessly exposed. He was way too far up the pitch. And uh, you'll notice Reese hit a lot of cross-field ball. And that, that was one of the fundamental things that under Conte as well with this wing-back system, is that uh, in order to open up a defence, they would... Uh, like the, the opposing wing back would cross the ball across the field to stretch the defense. And there were so many opportunities that we had that Alonso had. And his pace let him down and his poor delivery also let him down. I feel if those were perhaps better, we could have had some opportunities there. So there is definitely a, a, a system for us, for us to work from that is a positive. But we just need maybe one like more creative talent in the final third. The creativity situation... The chance creation has not been very good, but truly it has come as, as a trade-off for defensive solidity because we have been defensively solid. We had control of the game until that Southampton goal happened and it was against the run of play. But the problem is in this system, we can't really introduce as much creativity as we would like. For instance, under Lampard, at 4-3-3 allowed us to have Ziyech and you know, his opposing winger affect the game more. In this system, because we have two turns playing and one striker and the rest are wing backs, we can't displace Mount because what Mount brings to the side is not something we can afford to do without right now. So we can't drop Mount. We can't drop Werner because Werner has been the one who has created, he has won so many penalties for us that it's, it's hard to see us winning games if he's not in the side under, under Tuchel. And we would create we would create chances as time goes on. I mean, against Newcastle, we created four big chances in the first half. And then the second half, we didn't create any. So we can't afford to be making poor decisions like this in the final third. I think our lack of chance creation has more to do with our decisions than our personnel, really. Tuchel did do a few things at the start of the second half to try to remedy the problem. Um, we saw Tammy Abraham hooked off for uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and many people were questioning originally, you know, maybe this is an injury question, an injury concern, but Tuchel confirmed in the post-match press conference that this was not. He just wasn't happy with Abraham. And so Cho comes on, and Cho doesn't last long in this match. He's yanked, what, in 25 minutes or so? Yeah, I think it was on for a half an hour. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it, it wasn't much time whatsoever for him on the field, and I know this was a point of big contention. But before we get to that, I wanted to say, do you think Tuchel made the right calls? And if not, what would you have rather done? I was surprised actually when he was yanked off. But someone mentioned, someone did mention that Tuchel spent a lot of time speaking to Otinado before he came on. So if if Tuchel says he, he didn't see what he wanted to see, we can't really argue with that because he has started Hotsinador a lot since he has arrived. So we can't say he has anything against Hotsinador. I I think it's, it's, it's a matter of hindsight because we've seen managers pull off players early in the game or sub off players that have been subbed on. And it, it looks bad 
it really does look bad at the time. It doesn't help the player's confidence. It makes the manager look harsh. But if the substitutes had impacted the game the way we all hoped it would have, we would not be having this conversation around um, the, the, the subbing off of Otinado. So I think it's, it's just one of those things where if it, if it comes off, it looks good. If it doesn't come off, it looks... Why, why would you sub him off in that situation? Though I have to agree that Otinadoi looked like he was playing well to me. And I was surprised by the substitution. But I can't, I can't really decide for Tuchel what he wants. So I, I don't think it's as much an issue as, as it's perceived. It does re- look really bad because we can, we can argue that Otinadoi played better than Ziet. All things considered, I mean, one played 30 minutes, the other played 14 minutes, but all things considered, it's not better than Ziet. So the, sub, the substitution did not work. However, if it had, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be saying, why did this sub him up 30 minutes after coming on? It just looks bad. It's just the kind of, of, it's the kind of decision that, it, it's a bold decision. If it works out, it's, it's credited for it. If it doesn't work out, it looks, it looks really stupid. Yeah, if if I may jump in, I, I was chatting uh, on, on a group chat with a bunch of the Chelsea social guys, and um, Rob mentioned I think that he would rather have had Giro come on. Rob, a friend of mine, uh, on the Chelsea social, and I think that was a good point to have maybe a focal point instead of uh, taking Hudson or Doyle. Um, I would I would say I wasn't particularly uh, bothered by Callum's performance. There was nothing about it that stood out to me as as, as terrible or uh, as worthy of being hauled off. And it brings uh, brings to mind uh, the Moyes Keane situation at Everton when he was subbed off by Duncan Ferguson, you know, teenager, and his, his confidence was massacred after that. Uh, I don't think that will happen to, to Callum. And I do like what uh, Tuchel said after the game in that he just wasn't impressed by Callum's performance and he wasn't impressed by Tammy's either. So he explained the substitutions, substitutions and I found him to be refre- refreshingly honest. But personally, if it was me, and obviously I'm not the Chelsea manager, I would rather have taken Reese off and put Callum at wing back. And then there we go. Somebody's with me on this one. And then put uh, Ziek at sort of inside right forward. And so then we could have had Callum's directness and Ziek's sort of uh, floating in between the lines. So, uh, and then Werner in the center. So I would have liked to have seen that. There was probably one moment that I could criticize Callum for was when he was played through and he had uh, he was on sort of on the byline and he had a chance to put a cross in the box and he sort of dithered on the ball. Ultimately, it was clear, but that was probably the only moment that stood out for me. And uh, I, I couldn't really criticise him. I thought he was reasonably positive when he came on. It wasn't spectacular, but certainly I don't feel he was worthy of, of, of coming on. You guys are kind of angling towards what I thought about it. Taking Tammy Abraham off twice, at halftime for tactical reasons now, which is already one concern. But, you know, he, he brings Hudson Odoi, on, Hudson Odoi on, who is a different profile player. So I understand if you're looking at that game and saying, okay, we need something different. But to me, the second half was much worse. And it wasn't because of that sub alone, but just in general, we seem to very much lose the energy we had for most of the first half. And then when he makes the next set of subs, he brings off Hudson Odoi for Hakeem Ziyech. So if you're already bringing him on as a sub and then taking him off as a sub, if all you're doing is a like-for-like change, you're very much telling Hudson Odoi, this is all you. This isn't anything with our tactics. This is all you. And 
I don't think Hudson Odor is great, but he definitely wasn't sub him on and sub him back off bad either. Like you guys have said, like you would have made different changes. You would have put Hudson Odoi in the wing and different profiles of player than what we had, but we just made a like for like. It's, it's not a like for Hakim Ziyech, really a like for like substitution, though. I mean, Hakim Ziyech doesn't talk the, the touch line and look to isolate players. So I wouldn't say it's, it's like for like. So it's possible that he, it, it was something different he wanted. And for Tuchel to say he didn't see... He mentioned attitude and, and body language in, in, in the in the press. And I can, I can justify the thinking behind Ziyech in that we needed something. We needed crosses into the box. We needed something to... Because we're not creating anything against Southampton. So we, we needed someone to pull something out of the bag. And... Someone that has that in his locker is yet. He can we can we can break and he could look up and see an on un, rushing player and just send it to him and things happen. But Ziet hasn't been in good form and I just wouldn't say Ziet for Tinodo is a like for like substitution. I would say in this context it's more like for like than bringing Giroud on for Hudson Odoi or something that would radically change our shape or That's, our profile. I, you know, I, I can agree with that. Yes. Yeah. So, but, and I mean, hindsight is part of this too, like you were saying mm-hmm. earlier. If ZH comes on and looks really good, we can kind of cover over this a little bit. But honestly, to me, ZH was even worse than Hudson Odoi. So, yeah, he was. He was. I can't think of anything yeah. that ZH did when he came on. I yeah, mean, so he, he, had, he had that corner that he, he did, and, you know, it got to the head of a, of a Chelsea player, and it counted as a chance created. I could just I could just go around saying he created a chance, but really he he didn't do anything. Yeah, and I mean you have so that means you have two tactical subs for two very young players that we're supposed to be looking for through the future, and neither of those tactical changes improved the game. If anything, both made it worse. So it, it's not a good look, and I don't want to go overboard with that because we are still very early in his tenure. But you know this is. This is very much a Thomas Tuchel thing where both of those subs made us worse. And that's something we need to consider, tactical or not. That's not a great look going into the kind of games we're about to go into. And hopefully Hudson Odoi's confidence isn't shot. But, I mean, I think one repercussion of this is we probably don't see him as a quote-unquote winger or 10 anymore. We probably just see him as a wingback now. But we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to experiment with the squad. This is only his seventh match in charge in what space of 30 days. So, and it, obviously, like what Lombard's system was is much different than what Tuchel requires. So, I do think that experimentation is going to be used. And I've heard that thrown around like, well, that's why we're not seeing Christian Pulisic, is because Tuchel already knows all about Christian, right? Because he, he coached him at Dortmund. So, I've seen like others suggest that you're probably seeing other players that have been out in the cold for a while getting these chances, not just because, A, they may fit Tuchel better, but, B, they also let Tuchel get to know them more and what they offer or and what they don't offer on the field. But for changes I would have made in the field, I, I'm with Dan. I would have put Cho on for Reese. I know Reese gets a lot of love in the fan base, but, um, you know, I don't, by any means, I'm not trying to slander him here, but I don't see it as much as the rest of the fan base, if I'm honest with you. I see him defensively get beat a lot. And I see him offensively. I mean, yes, he does have good crosses, but what does a cross do when your target man is Werner in the box? And that's it. That doesn't do much for us. And I also don't think that Reese, I mean, we saw it today. Mount puts it on a platter for him to hit this. 
and he's leaning back like a high schooler would and slices it off into the stands. So, yeah, yeah, I would have made that change too, Dan. That's what I would have yeah, done. I, I agree that Chris has been found wanting defensively a lot this season. He has, he has. And yeah. Alonzo gets a lot of stick for it. Um, mm. You can kind of fill in the blank there as to why it yeah. is, given Alonzo's history at the club. And Reese, you know, is a much younger, underdeveloped player compared to Marcus Alonzo, right? You're going to see more inconsistency and mistakes out of younger players. And now knowing that Tammy Abraham wasn't injured, that it was a tactical shift at halftime, I probably wouldn't have pulled Tammy off because I think it would have been useful to have two strikers late in the game. And I would have used Cho at that right wing back position uh, uh, instead of a forward. And I agree with you, Travis, that we probably are going to see Cho much, much more just now at wing back as opposed to that sort of inverted forward role that he has with the two behind the main striker. If you saw the, the comment from Tuchel, the comment in the post-match was this. He says, with Hudson-Odoi, I was not happy with the energy and with the attitude and the counter-pressing, so we decided to take him off. And before we get into this, I wanted to say that uh, some people are really mad about this on social oh, media. Why you can be sure of that. <laughs> some people are really mad, uh, and you know, I'm seeing... I'll just be honest. I've already seen people on the timeline saying Tuchel out. He has no system. <laughs> yeah, the most delightful fans on the internet, aren't they? Magnificent yep. fans. Yeah, and it, it's the same. I so, like so, it's, so level-headed, those guys are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a, yeah. it's a game on the road against a team we've already drawn at home to. So getting a draw on the, on the road is more impressive than getting a draw at home, in my opinion. That but that's, that's a different topic. But um, yeah. I would say that for me, one thing that, I think has been, you know, we saw it under Lampard and he questioned Cho's kind of attitude and uh, work ethic as well previously. And a lot of people said, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. And, and so on and so forth. But the thing is, we're just fans. We don't see what goes on behind the scenes, but now that's two managers. Well, even if you go back to sorry, maybe three managers that have kind of said similar things about Cho now, and I'm not trying to insinuate that's what's going on. And that's definitively why he's not, you know, taking the next next step, but it does seem whatever he's offering is that he's not giving 100% for the team. And the key there is for the team. And that's what I think is the issue because it, it, like everybody just said, when you watch Cho, it wasn't like he was, that didn't look that bad today. But when you read Tuchel's comments, and then when you look at it from a coaching perspective, Cho was brought on to start the second half. So you know well that Thomas Tuchel gave very clear instructions at halftime to, to Cho. And I, I have said whenever he was hooked off, my first thought was, well, he's not playing terribly. So the only thing I can see out of this is he was hooked because he's not following the manager's tactics. Well, mm -hmm. sure enough, that's what it was. He wasn't following the manager's tactics. And I think that, look, a lot of people are going to be upset with this and think it's too ruthless and harsh. But personally, my opinion on it is this. We have had for too long players that either have poor attitudes, don't try their hardest at all moments in the game, whatever it is, or they just don't work hard enough off the ball or for the team, and they continually get selected. And I, I think that that's seen now a pattern, right? Look at look at what happened with Antonio Conte, with uh, with Willian, with the the kind of dire relationship that devolved between those two. And, you know, who paid the price, the manager, that the player didn't suffer any consequences and is a starting 11 fixture in the next guy's system. So it just, to me, it seems like if you're not following manager's instructions, it needs to have a very clear cut message to the squad. You don't follow instructions, you're off. That's the way top level football runs. 
I don't know if you guys think I'm maybe being a little too much like iron fist with this, but that's how I see this at this level. And enough of this letting people slide without actually doing the tactics that they're told to play. I think yeah. I think I agree with you in that. Yes, it's harsh, but top level football is harsh. I mean, we, we've seen we've seen ZS for 14 club legend get sacked, right? Top level football is incredibly harsh. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen we've seen Akim Ziyech get played for 14 minutes, and whatever we think of his performance, he was criticized heavily. If you if you go and not not just there against Barnsley too, when Ziyech played, he created two chances. He did what he did, but he lost a lot of duels, and you know he looked really bad. He couldn't keep hold of the ball, and he was criticized heavily. Today, 14 minutes he played. If I was doing player ratings. Ziyech doesn't get the player rating for me because 14 minutes is not enough time to, to warrant the player rating. But Ziyech was criticized as much as he was because at, at this level, even if it is six minutes you play, people expect to see you doing things. And yes, it, it's the expectation. And the expectation is a lot. But your, your point about tactical instructions should even have heavier consequences. If you, if you are not doing what the manager wants, it would look harsh. To spectators, but at the end of the day, that that's what top level football is. You can't afford to to play what you want. For instance, we saw Fabregas talk about Ziyech being able to play without too many instructions because he has played the game at the top level for long enough, and he knows what needs to be done at almost every point in the game. Not that that reflects his, his gameplay now, but you 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 could understand where where he was coming from. If if Zier decides to, to do something in a match, you can understand why, because he has the skill, he has the experience, he knows what the game needs at every point in time. Otsunanda doesn't have that. So if he's not following managerial instructions, either because it's too difficult or he just feels it's not going to get the game what it needs, I mean, then he should be subbed off. I mean, we saw it with Dan mentioned, we saw it against, with, with Moiskin and Duncan Ferguson. Where he he was subbed off, is it ten minutes after being subbed on or fifteen minutes or yeah, something? Like, I think it, it was eighteen minutes. Yeah, something. Yeah, okay. It looked really, really, really bad, especially because he had not been starting Moise King. So it seemed like he had certain issues with, with, with King. And when King came on, he was subbed off in the same match. So it, it really does look bad. But the reason for subbing him off makes sense to me. I mean, I may not see it, but the manager sees it and. Is the one that you see this thing. So, there are a couple of points that I want to make. Is number one, I think social media is not a good barometer of any kind of fan, you know, opinion because it's so polarized at the moment. You know, particularly yes. like yes. you had this whole yes. section when Chelsea in the latter days, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, in the latter days of Frank Lampard, you had two very clear sections of of, of the Chelsea fan base. Uh, one section that was entirely backing Frank sort of with uh, blind faith. And then you had another one which was entirely Lampard out. Then it, sort of somewhere in the middle, you had the, the level-headed Chelsea fans, very few of, very few of them who, were, who wanted him to stay, but were also sort of realistic about where things were going. For me, I guess it's a question of, is it Hudson Odoi not following instructions or is it an issue of him following them poorly? Because if it's the latter, that's not as big of an issue. That's something we can move on from. But if he's not following them intentionally, that's a whole other issue to deal with. And we'll find 
out that answer really quickly when we play Atletico Madrid, because if we don't see Hudson Odoi against Atletico Madrid, then we can point and say, okay, yeah, he definitely chose not to follow those instructions. And that's a bigger issue for us overall. And that's something that's a little bit different than I think what Lampard and Sari were saying about Hudson Odoi. Cause for me, both of them were just saying it was more about tracking back and defensive effort and less about doing what he was told. Today, the issue is more pressing, I guess. And pressing harder to notice if someone's not doing it compared to tracking back. So maybe Tuchel's looking for things that are just different than we've been looking for because I didn't really notice the lack of effort on Hudson Odoi's part. But if he told him to do something different and that's not what was happening, that would be completely different. But we'll just see what happens. I really would like to see him more of him because he's been so good at this winger wingback role. I'm not really worried about this Callum scenario for uh, uh, a few reasons, uh, simply because um, I feel Tuchel was really honest in his post-match press conference and he laid it all out and he didn't hide behind his decision. And I think if you're Callum, you kind of take that on the chin. And uh, look, Callum's done a lot of good things under Tuchel and I think he's been probably alongside Mason, the standout player under Tuchel. And he's he's sort of taken on instruction in, a, in an unfamiliar role. So yes, it is a damage to your confidence, but I think... Tuchel's a, a Champions League pedigree coach. He's, he's done great things at, at Dortmund and he's won trophies at uh, PSG, made the Champions League final. So this is a guy who knows what he's doing. He wouldn't take Callum off if he didn't think it was right. And he's not doing it to spite anyone or to, to uh, massacre anyone's confidence or anything like that. Um, so I think it's important for us as fans not to be too reactive when it comes to this kind of thing and to just uh, realize that Tuchel's been in the job for seven games. And if he makes a call like that, He's done it for a reason, so we've got we've got to take it on board. I hope that it won't affect Callum's confidence because I think he'll be a big player for us, um, particularly under Tuchel because of his directness and his skill. But uh, also at the same time, if it is an attitude thing, if it was a lack of work rate, then Callum needs to fix that. What Tuchel needs now is definitely not the fans getting on his back for every decision he makes. He starts Alonso. Is why do you start Alonso? He drops. Silva or Christensen. Why did he drop Silva? Why did he drop Christensen? He drops Riz James. Why did he drop Riz James? What kind of manager is this? I think the man should be allowed to work. And Chelsea fans are not famous for allowing their managers to work. And Tukul is in a is in a unique situation because he's supposed to be replacing a fan favorite. And he would know fan favorites. He would know that Otinada is a fan favorite. He wouldn't make a decision just to just to humiliate. So I think he felt it important enough that Tottenham will come off. And I don't have any issue with that. I think, you know, here's some uh, quotes from Thomas Tuchel after the match. And this kind of summarizes a lot of what we hit upon already. He says, one quote was, the decision-making, the determination, it just simply was not good enough today to create chances. And then about Callum hudson Doy, he said it wasn't an injury. In a game, it's hard to create chances. You need to rely on counter-pressing to maybe force errors and get an easy chance. For that, you need to be totally on and sharp. I didn't feel this from Callum today. He missed chances to counterpress. He missed easy balls. I didn't think he felt the game. Maybe it was unfair, but I didn't get the feeling today that I normally get from him. And then he said, it was a hard decision, but nothing that sticks for a long time. Tomorrow it will be forgotten, and we will prepare for Atletico. But 
there was one quote here that really sticks out. And this is, uh, for me, the biggest thing that he said. He says, my job is to win games. It's not to put some expensive guys together on the field. Taking all of this kind of a holistically in the way he treated show, and then that exact statement of, I'm not gonna, just going to play the expensive players, and that my job is to win. I don't care who does it. I really like this mentality, and I think it's what we need yes, to do. Yes, that's, that's exactly what we need, especially when we have a lot of expensive signings. You can go back for, I mean, okay, I mean, you can argue that Mourinho's final season, there was player power, but let's be honest, player power has existed before Mourinho's second spell here. You can even go back to the Andres Villas-Boas days. Regardless of the results, there has always been this player power thing at Chelsea Football Club. But for me, those comments from the manager saying, I'm not dealing with this. This is how I see the game. My job is to win. If you don't want to execute the tactics and the roles I give you, then I'll find somebody else who will to win me the game. I don't care. And that's that's how I personally see it. If you don't follow the instructions and you you're you're not on it and you're not 100 percent, then okay, we're going to find somebody else that will do it. And I think that's the way coaching should be done. So, you know, it is a tough 1-1 draw and, you know, you just got to move on from it. And that's what I really like about Thomas Tuchel regarding this is that he says it happened today and tomorrow we wake up and prepare for the next match. We're not going to sit here and dwell on this. We're not going to go to training tomorrow and be like, well, Callum, we need to sit down and talk about me taking you off after subbing you on. I think uh, what what really quite impressed me with uh, Tuchel from minute one is that he walked into a very toxic scenario after the sacking of uh, who is arguably Chelsea's greatest ever player, you know, as a manager. And from minute one, he's to me he's a highly intelligent inv- individual, and he, he his words and his opinions or his the way his demeanor they act as the perfect tonic to uh, what was what or what can be a, a very acidic fan base at times. So. He's come out after this Joe situation. He's, in my opinion, completely diffused it by being totally honest and upfront about it. And he's given Callum a clean slate, clean slate from tomorrow. You know, he's saying, "Well, tomorrow we forget about it and we we prepare for Atletico." And I wouldn't even be surprised to see perhaps Callum even start that game or to play some big role in the Atletico game. So Tuchel seems to be smart enough to take things on a game by game basis, but also not sort of weak in the sense that um, he's going to allow players to dominate him. You know, he's very much putting across an assertive uh, persona, which I think is good. And uh, he has one thing in mind and one thing only, and that's making or keeping Chelsea in the Champions League. And I think any Chelsea fan would want that. There's a big Champions League match coming up uh, this midweek, if you haven't heard, against Atletico Madrid, who are leading La Liga and look very strong, as always, under Diego Simeone. So really briefly, I wanted to ask you guys, how, what's your confidence level on this on a scale of 1 to 10, and what is your prediction for the match? On a scale of 1 to 10, ah, 4. We're defensively solid, too. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Atletico won't have joy playing against us. They wouldn't, they won't break us down easily. Though, the Atletico Madrid, too, we have more worry breaking them down. And we've not really done well with breaking teams down. I guess if we, if we make better decisions in the final third, we might get something from the Atletico game. But I'm not, I'm not that confident. Yeah, I'll go with all those four out of ten as well. Um, I'm toying between a, a four and a five out of ten simply because, like Ola says, I agree with him. We've got we're defensively solid, but we don't offer enough in uh, final third for me. And what's been curious for me with Atletico this season is they've shifted from a 
uh, four at the back to a three at the back now. They'd like to play a three-five-two. And they've got uh, in Suarez and João Felix, two of Europe's premier forwards. And I don't think our defence under Tuchel has been properly tested. I'd be quite worried against uh, against Suarez and uh, Felix. I think we do have enough to get perhaps a, a draw out of the game, but I would be very hesitant um, to suggest that we could win the game, particularly with how well they've been playing recently. I, I, I'm hoping for a, a draw so that we can bring it back to... I don't know if it'll be a neutral venue or if we'll play at Stamford Bridge, but uh, hopefully we can still be in the tie. But uh, I think Atletico might have a little bit too much for us. But for me, about on Tuesday, it's about being solid and getting uh, uh, at least something out of the game that we can work with in the second leg. I'm usually confident for big games, so it'll be like 3-0 Atletico or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> we we just keep struggling against back three formations and. You know, like Dan said, they've gone to this three-five-two system for the first time in Simeone's time there that I can remember them really changing things, and it just is working wonders. I mean, we could talk about how Real Madrid and Barcelona fell off a little bit, but Atletico are in complete control of La Liga, just like Bayern Munich was in control of the Bundesliga last season when we faced them. So we just went from one most informed team in the world to the next most informed team in the world. So I would hope that we could at least give them a game, unlike Byron last year. But we'll see. Why are going to play against Luis Suarez, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize this. Yeah, wow. he's okay. doing well. He's if a top we, scorer in, in Spain. If we, if we are still in the game going into the away leg, then it means we've succeeded. Whatever happens in the in the homeland. Real quick, I, to sum up, I think my confidence in this match, it is a neutral fixture. We're not actually going to Madrid for this one. And I, don't, I think that we still remain the only English team to win at Atletico Madrid in, in um, like Champions League history. My confidence on a scale of 1 to 10, I actually feel like we're going to pull out a draw. And I have a, a 6 out of 10 confidence on that. I think we're going to get a 1-1 draw and go back to Stamford Bridge with the away goals lead. So that's what I see. I don't know if we win the tie, but I do think that this first match, I, I don't dislike our odds that well. I think it's pretty even. But, you know, that'll remain to be seen, and we'll we'll talk about the match uh, coming up next week after it happens. And, you know, I just want to say, uh, before we wrap up here, I want to say thanks again, Dan, for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was great having you here, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on again. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really had a, a good time chatting to you guys, and I really appreciate appreciate the opportunity to be on the pod as well. As, as well, um, I had a great time, and uh, just a pity that we were discussing a draw and not a, not a Chelsea win. <laughs> We've gotten used to that here. I mean, our, our first two episodes were discussing losses. But uh, anyway, um, we'll, we'll uh, pick back up uh, after the athletic match. Hopefully there's a win. For everybody out there listening, until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.